subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. We are 24 hours away from the inevitable stampede back into the shops. And and I say that not because I want it to happen, but because I know it is going to happen. This time tomorrow morning, there will be queues outside every shop from Smith's Toys to Penny's. You name it, there'll be queues outside there this time tomorrow. And look, if you're going to do that and you catch COVID out of it, then you only have yourself to blame. Is what I'm just saying to you. But they're about to ease restrictions. Uh, 24 hours from now, life will begin to return to some kind of uh, pre-lockdown normal. And we'll go through it later with uh, Minister Michael McGrath, the Minister for Public Expenditure. And if any particular question that you'd like me to ask of the Minister when he joins me just after the 10 o'clock news, then do let us know. Uh, 1857-15996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. Email for the show is opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter is at opinionline96 with the hashtag OL96. And, of course, the Quarks 96FM Facebook page. You can send us a message there. And you can uh, mark them, please, for the attention of the opinion line. Wow, wasn't that some toy show? on Friday night. Exceptional entertainment from start to finish. And who knows, it might come up again on the show throughout the course of the week. We also have a competition with our good friends at Foot Solutions. A 200 euro worth of a prize voucher for you to win every day this week. All that and more to come. But firstly, one group left out of the easing of restrictions. Now, to be fair, we all kind of knew it would happen. Is the wet pubs. They're not opening. From tomorrow, everyone moves back to level three. Uh, Shops and stuff can open tomorrow. Hairdressers, museums, cinemas, gyms, swimming pools, that kind of thing will all happen from tomorrow. And then from Friday, restaurants, hotels and gastropubs, pubs with their own kitchen, 
and their own cooks and all of that can reopen for indoor dining with restriction. But wet pubs will not reopen as confirmed. We knew, we kind of knew, but as confirmed Friday evening by the Taoiseach Michal Martin when he spoke uh, to us. Now, then in the Sunday Times yesterday, a report was published uh, which was compiled by EY, Ernst & Young, number crunchers supreme, you might say. And they said that Cork, Limerick and Galway saw an increase in their 14-day infection rates after the wet pubs were allowed to reopen in late September. And there was no similar surge in Dublin where the wet pubs remained closed. That was following analysis of data uh, by Ernst & Young for the government. It was on that basis, according to the Times article, that they just decided that the wet pubs, unfortunately, won't be opening for now. Michael Donovan of the Cork VFI. Michael, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Do you accept that Ernst & Young put the writing on the wall with its crunching of the numbers? Well, we accept they put the writing on the wall because the Cabinet listened to us. But, um, look, I'm not a health expert and I think none of my colleagues are. But um, I suppose reading the, the, the documents over the last, uh, I suppose, 24 hours, it's, it's, it's a bit disappointing, really, because um, where we've seen that they singularly pick out Cork, Limerick and Galway, and the ministers, uh, like we met ministers here in Cork back in August, and we said to them um, at the, that meeting um, that we were quite concerned because we told them that opening us up on the 21st of September, we were bang on with the universities coming back in those three cities. And those three cities are different to Dublin. Look, we, we, we absolutely appreciate the university in Dublin opened as well, the, the, the two of them, but it's so spread out in Dublin. Mm. We're here in Cork, Limerick and, and Galway. We're right in the middle of the cities and like people are, are the, the university. So we, we anticipated that this was going to happen, that the, that the numbers were going to increase when people came up and people then went back to their families around, I suppose, particularly Cork, Kerry, Tipperary, Waterford, here in Munster, out of Cork. But... Uh, like um, for Ernest and Young then to come out. And I suppose, look, the one big thing is on page six of their, their data, um, their county analytic report uh, mm. for wave one and wave two. Look, I'm, I'm just a lay person reading it, but it, it, it distinctly says the main outbreak sources and not once on that page does it mention public house or any hospitality. It mentions sporting events, universities, private mm. houses, but never mentioned us in that. And that is the empirical data that they used. And the HSE gave empirical data about uh, public houses, restaurants, hotels. And again, we were 0.19 of a percent. Restaurants mm. were 0.22 of a percent of clusters. So yeah. if they want to use real stats, real numbers, we're so low with the guidelines that we, we have had. And yes, they wrote yeah. paragraph after paragraph in the report and pointed the finger at the wet pubs. But when they used the facts... Uh, of, of their own facts, never once did they mention it because they, there wasn't cases to be proven on now, it. Now, you said to me, and you're obviously not a statistician, neither am I, but the likes of Ernst & Young, they crunched numbers for a living. So I would take it then that their reading of the numbers, Michael, would be a bit more qualified than yours on mine, unless you happen to have someone to crunch them for you independently. 
Yeah, look, we absolutely look. We're only going with their numbers and what they said on their their analytic data. But like, as I said, they didn't mention public houses when they wrote the report. They they mentioned us in their in their in their dialogue parts, but mm. they didn't mention it in the where the numbers were shown. Um, and that's look. It's, look, so so you're, you're suggesting that de- the decision to keep you closed after Friday is not based on the data as you see it, is that it? Yeah, look, we, we, we're we going on what the HSE put out from their surveillance, the, the clusters, their weekly reports. And look, when you look at that analytic uh, data that, that Ernest and Young put out, it's, 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 it's a cabinet decision. I think this is a political decision, not, not really based on... Um, on, 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 I suppose, the facts that we can see written down on the paper. You, you, but both yourself and your colleague, Mr Cribben, have both made that point to me in, in the last few days, that it's a political decision. Are you seriously saying in, in the Vintners Federation, Michael, that there is a political plan here to damage pubs? Is that what you're saying? I don't know if there's a political plan to damage pubs, but I think they're just using us as maybe a barometer for the public um, saying, you know, if you don't follow uh, the guidelines and the rules, this is what happens. And look, we're the only, like, I suppose... Hold on, hold on. No, 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 so you're saying, we're, this, we're, we're saying, if you don't behave yourselves, we'll do to you what we're doing to the pubs? Quite possibly, PG. I, That's I a bit of a stretch, Michael. Come but, on. But I can't answer what the cabinet is thinking, PJ. But all I can say is we are closed, um, and like everything else is open. And like back in September, they told us as the economy opened up, we expect numbers to rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the economy opened up, we all opened in September. We we had the most stringent guidelines of anywhere else in Europe and yeah. most places across the world. Well, first of all, that's nonsense. We didn't. Okay, that's nonsense. We did not have the most stringent guidelines of anywhere else in Europe. But, that doesn't stand up. But for pubs, we no, no, that doesn't stand up, Michael. Anywhere, but we but, didn't have curfews here. We didn't have police in the streets stopping people asking them where they were going. No, we, we didn't. didn't. But but PJ, I'm only saying for rules within our pubs. Like in Spain, they didn't. We had to close at eleven o'clock. In Spain, the hospitality could stay open. Uh, in Spain, and, they closed at six no, in the evening. Not not the not the pubs. They didn't, PJ. They could serve outdoors as well uh, until until their their closing times. Now they were closed at midnight, granted, but they were still open longer than us. Um, and well, you I don't know. I, I was talking to a man in in Malaga. No, off air, admittedly, only about a week or ten days ago, and he said everything's closed at seven o'clock. Now it is, but not back during the summer, and not back into September when we were when we were open. They were they were allowed open until midnight, mm. um, and like we were closed at eleven. We had to follow one meter, two meter yeah. <coughs> social distancing. I get that. And we had all here's, the there's another there's another problem with the pub trade, Michael, and it's this. And in Ireland, you see, we can't take. The HSE don't like me saying this, but I don't care. We do, we can't take our uh, contact tracing me- mechanisms as seriously as they do in another country. We go back 48 hours, 72 at a push. Globally, they go back as far as two weeks. And where they've done it as far back as two weeks, they find a connection to a pub. Inevitably, in, in 50 to 60% of cases, they'll find a connection to a pub. Yeah, look, PJ, we, we've seen that, but in lots of those countries, PJ, they haven't, they didn't have the guidelines that we had to operate in. Like, we're doing contact tracing in every pub. Very few con- countries How in is Europe it done? is doing that. Because I've been in a few places when you were open. How is it done? Well, when people come in, we ask their name, we ask their contact details, we ask how many people... How, how do you know they're telling you the truth? 
well, we can see how many people are in the in their in their group. Obviously, we have to take their word that they're correct numbers. And like it was proven when we did have the clusters, like here in Cork, we had one or two pubs that did have a person in. And when they went back and checked, everybody that was on that list was contacted. Mm. And the HSE said to us that it was a very good system that we had. And yeah. it was their guidelines. Oh, well, we had to follow it. Don't, don't get me wrong here. And, and I make it absolutely 100% clear. I, I feel terribly for you and your colleagues. I, I do. And I feel terribly for the likes of me who'd love nothing more than to sit at a bar and drink a pint. I, you know, but the science is a going again, yeah. Look, we, we appreciate that because we're close to it. We, we understand that, but um, I suppose what we what we, we, we do find difficult is we're being, look, is a nine euro meal that everybody's going to going out having next Friday, is that going to keep you safe from COVID? Mm. Well, the science there is simple. If you're eating, the aerosol spread of COVID-19 is reduced drastically. Yeah, I, 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 I guess I accept that, PJ, but when we were open, we were operating almost as if we were a restaurant because everybody was sitting down yes. at tables. Yes. Everybody, like There was no standing up, there was no moving around. So if you were coming in with your... Like when we opened with the guidelines, we could have six people from three households initially, then it was brought to two households. Mm. It's the exact same guidelines that... Uh, those that will be operating with a nine euro meal are having so when they start basing it on that uh, fact I, I just laugh because the only difference is that it's a nine euro meal Are you feeling hard done by? Absolutely because look PJ when I opened in September look 11 out of my 16 days I was inspected twice a day by the Gardaí once the other days and like we had to follow the rules that were there and like for those of us that really I suppose spent money on our uh, operations during the summer to get ready um, look it's really difficult because uh, every week we have outgoings even when we're closed like uh, I suppose I'd have over 480 euros a week going out between insurance monitored alarm utilities etc mm. and are you being adequately compensated? No because look we have a, we have the CRSS and it's very 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 welcome but it doesn't meet all your your outgoings, you know, um, and like, unfortunately, like oh, I suppose, as bad as I'm saying this, like when I was now that I'm closed, I'm only losing maybe 120 euros a week with the CRSS. But before October the 13th, I was losing 480 euros, you could say, a week. So it is very thankful, and the double weeks that are coming up now in December. They are very thankful, but it's only for three weeks that we'll have a double week. Like, we've been closed close on 40 weeks, you know, so you can do the maths. It's not easy to keep your business alive when you've been closed that long, and I'm not sure many businesses would survive this if they were closed that long. And realistically, we're looking at, I suppose, we're all hearing about this lockdown coming again in January, so potentially we're looking at maybe, you know, February to open of next year. Mm. How do you feel about your colleagues in in France, certain areas of France at least, having been told, forget it lads, till the 21st of January? Yeah, look, I suppose it's the same thing. Like, I suppose France, they had huge spikes in their, um, in their, um, uh, you know, uh, daily numbers and mm. I think a lot of France they've gone into a lot of lockdown like yeah. I, I believe but no no doesn't it just put doesn't it just add to the argument that globally pubs are a problem but I think in France PJ supermarkets and everything they're gone on a click and collect like there's no going into the supermarkets it's it's not just hospitality in, in those regions in France uh, everybody has to work from home 
um, for for four weeks, I believe, isn't it? And it's, it's really uh, tough. Yeah, it's it's tough on everybody. Where look, we've seen this lockdown. Uh, level five for the last six weeks while we're grateful that the numbers have come down it's nowhere near where they wanted it to come down to mm. and like you well, know, well, interesting Cork, Cork has actually done extremely well and I will go through the numbers in more detail uh, after 10 o'clock before I speak to Minister Michael McGrath but the, the Cork has done very well Cork's, Cork's cases are down by four fifths Oh yeah! They, look, yesterday I believe it was seven. Like for the size of our county, yeah. that's that's phenomenal going. You could say, and you know, it's even for my colleagues that are opening next Friday, they're really appreciative. And that must that. be heartbreaking to see the numbers going so well in Cork, and then you have to keep your doors closed. I accept that. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it absolutely is. And look, maybe it's time that the government looked at something, you know, county by county and regional, because um, I think, you know, having this for the whole country, is it's it's really tough for, for, for us and I suppose our colleagues as well that would come into, you know, the music side of it, mm. um, because they're dependent on us, we're dependent on them. And like, they're, they're, they're suffering as well because yes. of this. Ah, yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it's very hard for everybody involved. And don't get me wrong, Michael, you have, you have my sympathies. <laughs> as a, as just purely and simply as a fellow who loves a pint and doesn't want to have food just because they want to have a pint. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard, and I know it's hard, but that's, that's how it is science-wise, I guess, for the foreseeable. That's Michael Donovan from the VFI in, in Cork, 1857 They strongly believe that they're being put upon and that is political. And I don't understand what they mean by that. Podrick Crimmin, Podrick Cribbin couldn't explain it to me. Michael can't explain it to me. But they believe that politically they're being singled out. Not too sure if you agree with that. 1857-15996. Competition for you this week with Foot Solutions. Can I just say before I even start this, and I won't repeat it, um... I'm a great fan of Foot Solutions because about three years ago, this time, three years ago, exactly this time, three years ago, Muggins ear was practically crippled with a thing called plantar fasciitis. If you've ever had it, you know it's no fun. None at all. I was in bits with it. And I went to them. And they were, among other things now, to be fair, they sorted me. They absolutely did. So I... I'm a great fan of Foot Solutions and they're with us all this week with a 200 euro voucher every day uh, giving the gift of comfort to your loved ones this Christmas with a Foot Solutions gift card. Now, this is about footprints in the snow. We've got the sound of footprints in the snow. Now, this is the first one but I will give it to you again this hour. So this is just to let you know what I'm going to do. So do not count this, all right? Do not count this, okay? But basically, we're going to give you footprints in the snow. Here we go. Are we ready? I try. Right, here we go. Why is Okay, you're listening for that sound of footprints in the snow. I'll give you the first set of footprints in the snow between now and the 10 o'clock news. I'll give you a different number every hour. You need to add them up and then tell me how many have played in total across the three hours. And we'll be texting or WhatsApping the answers in at the end of the programme. So Foot Solutions with us this week. Footprints in the snow. 200 euro voucher. Get and give out every day. Call us at maybe temperature testing on the way into the pub 
would be a good idea. Maybe. The Opinion Line on Corks 96 FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Corks Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Corks 96 FM. Coming up, a lovely story of a shop manager, a Tesco shop manager, who went above and beyond the call of duty to help out a little girl. That's all coming before 10. After 10, Minister Michael McGrath wants to have some questions, if you have them for him, about the reopening of our economy prior to Christmas and, I guess, the risks involved. He's joining us on the show after 10. Let's do it so with the foot solutions. I told you what we're going to be doing. All right. I told you what we're going to be doing. Three pieces of audio. Each one has a number of footprints in the snow. I'll play one now, one between 10 and 11, and one between 11 and 12. You need to make a note and count all the footprints in the snow. Count them, keep a note of them, and then when I play the last one, you text a WhatsApp in with the total number that I played. Are we good with that? Good. Here we go with number one. This is for Foot Solutions today. Here's our first set of footprints. Count these and make a note of us. All right. That's the first one. Make a note. Keep it safe. Give you another one after 10. Yeah, a Brexit story breaking this morning or on some of the business news bulletins this morning. It's a, apparently Brexit might affect the availability of chips in the chipper. I kid you not. Did you know we in this country import thousands and thousands of tons of potatoes from the UK for making chips? Uh, no, no, I'm not joking you. I'm not joking you. We do. And there may be a shortage of chips for the chipper after Brexit. We will look into that in a bit more interest, a bit more detail. But remember we said when Brexit happened that it would only bother most people when it affected them directly. Well, a shortage of chips in the chipper will affect people directly. Then they'll start to care. And if you're to go by the business reports this morning, that's going to happen. 1850-715-996. Let us go to Emma who has a lovely story to tell us of a man that went above and beyond the call of duty. When and where did this happen, Emma? Good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? I'm well. What happened? Um, we live in Yall, and um, I spoke to the store manager of Tesco's in Yall uh, a couple of weeks ago just to sound out. I have a, a little girl at home who hasn't been out and about for just over a year now, Izzy, and... Uh, this second lockdown has been a bit tougher. What age is Izzy? Izzy is 12, almost 13. And how come she can't go out? Um, so Izzy um, was diagnosed with a brain tumour in 2014 and is cancer-free since 2018. Right. But, um, yeah, it was uh, crazy times. But um, you'd think with having no cancer that, you know, life gets back to normal. And unfortunately, it doesn't. Mm. Um, she's been left with huge health complications. Does she have um, to? Does she have a compromised immune system? She does. Um, 
no, um, yeah, on and off. But at the moment, no, she's really good. But unfortunately, if she was to get something like that, you know, like COVID or, or anything like that, she wouldn't have the health to back it up, uh, the strength to back it up. I have, yeah. Plus then her medication, it, you have to be well to take it. <sighs> so any bit of temperature, any bit of cough or cold or anything like that, she has to stop her meds. So she's so, effectively been cocooning from the start. From the start, officially, but unofficially, um, Izzy had surgery in 2019 right. <clears throat> to put in a Hickman line because uh, obviously six years of <clears throat> sorry, um, six years of trying to get uh, bloods out for we decided to put a, a Hickman line in, yeah. but she didn't really bounce back after that surgery in the October. Yeah. So she actually hasn't been in school yeah. since then. That, that's she a hard, that's a hard old operation, the Hickman. Even though it's a small, oh, it it's is. a small device, it's a hard operation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a tiny thing. And like, you know, the very first time it went in, I remember being so upset that it was in. But the second time around, I was like, oh, throw it in. It's yeah. great. You know, there's nothing yeah. worse than uh, having, for, trying for, to... For listeners who wouldn't know what that is, it's to all the world, like it's her own little tap that they exactly. can take blood when they yeah. need it. Yeah. And, it and just it, sits on top of your heart. It goes yeah. in through your neck and sits on top of your heart. Small little thing, but putting it in there is a big job, yeah? Yeah, and, and she just didn't bounce back uh, from that surgery in the October and then developed a, uh, an infection in it um, in the Hickman line um, two weeks before Christmas. Oh, and we ended up getting out the day before Christmas Eve and got home then. And she was back in again in January. And then she had a rough summer, and then in September, um, she had her first day of first year, yes. her induction into first year, which was a huge step for her. And then the day she was supposed to start officially, she ended up back in with a, a line infection God. in that line again. And unfortunately, it was a, a really serious infection, and she had to have surgery again in September to have it out. Um, yeah, so we were two weeks in hospital with that and we were home a couple of days and she developed pneumonia in September so we were back in for another week into the Mercy into the leukemia unit Oh God, she's in the wars, the poor thing Yeah, so like that's cancer free Do you know even though she's cancer free you know, life has been um, she's put down a hard year and a half this year Yeah, yeah, Tough, tough, tough little girl So she wanted to go to Tesco. That's where the story starts, isn't well, it? Well, Tesco was a huge part of Izzy's life. Like, it was, you know, the place we'd go there, oh my God, five times a week, mm-hmm. uh, if not more. So um, she hasn't been able to be, she hasn't been in Tesco since 20, since before that surgery in 2019. Okay. Right. And um, I hadn't said anything to her because I just wanted to send it out. And I spoke to Derek, uh, the store manager in Yol. And he's like, why did you not ask me sooner? And I was like, well, I just didn't think of it and I didn't want to put pressure on everybody. You know, right. they're, they're closed for a certain amount of time in the morning before it goes mad, do you know? And yeah, they, they have, do they have special opening hours down there for They do, people? 9 to 11, I think. 9 to 11 is for, you know, vulnerable and the elderly and things like that. Um, but it, it's not still something I would be comfortable taking Izzy into. You know, she... We've spent this far getting her this, you know, seven years keeping her very safe. And, yes. you know, thing, when she did have her tumour, things were very, you know, the, in the first year we were told that that was the end and there was no treatment available. And, you know, things were serious, serious. Like, so now that I have control over our situation Absolutely. where I wouldn't have had control before, 
I, we just knuckle oh, down. Yeah. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Control what you can in exactly, life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you don't really have control, <laughs> which we found out a lot. But yes. I can control my house, the people that come into us gotcha. and what we do. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So. Now, Derek, De- Derek is the store manager. Yeah, so I spoke to Derek and I just, was like, is there any chance? And he was like, any morning, Emma, I should the store, you know, I'm here at seven. Why didn't you ask me sooner? No problem. She was nearly crying because I didn't expect a yes. Like, I just expected, um, you know, maybe we'll look into it, but it was an outright right. Uh, so what, no did, what did he do, Emma? Um, so we arrived down at 10 past eight yesterday morning, so the shop wasn't due to open at until nine on Sunday morning. And um, he just gave us the the run of the the supermarket. Ah, oh, that's so, so good. Yeah, it was great, and she really did treat. <laughs> she treated it like a trolley dash, and uh, yeah, she wouldn't have much strength and energy. So um, she tried to do as much as possible in in that time, and um, ended up sitting down for for some of it. The sheer it was, buzz of having the place to herself. Oh, sure. She was delighted and she saw some of the staff that she would know. And I feel like a pop star. Over and said, oh, exactly. Yeah, it's a bit like this bit, a bit like Rita Ora wants to go shopping in y'all. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So it was fab and, you know, she was like, um, we better go now and let everyone else in. That was 10 to 9 and she was laughing about that then that everybody else had to come in with everyone else. Like, and she she got the, the hour That's on her brilliant. own. Like, so, What's yeah, Derek's second name, do you know? Maroney, I think. Maroney. Well, if it's Maroney yeah. or anything close to it, you know who he is. Derek Maroney, you are a credit to your employers. Yeah. Like, Daisy hasn't been out realistically. You know, we go for a walk on the boardwalk when it's quiet and yeah. y'all, and that's it. You know, she's oh, been lovely. inside for four walls for a long, long time, and Tesco's now is as good as yeah. anything in the world yesterday to her. Yeah. I oh, know. That's, that's fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. Well, look, give her my best. Thank and you. Derek Moroni, or if it's any version of that I name, know. you know it who he is. Doesn't matter. It's Derek anyway, store manager at Tesco in Yall. Like I said before, you are a credit to your employers. Exactly. Every little helps, and he helped our world massively yesterday. That's that's yeah. that's fantastic. Are you nervous about things opening up again, Emma, or will you just keep your own level of control? I'm nervous. I'm I am nervous. Like um, at the end of the day, it's still here. Nothing's actually changed. I'm worried for Izzy. Please tell me that when it comes, she'll be able to take a vaccine. Um, unknown at the moment, because unfortunately her her meds are quite serious that some things can't mess with those meds. You know, they can counteract and, and become a cause a much bigger problem. So it's all about how it goes. And of course, it's so brand new. And Izzy's drugs are brand new as well, that there's no research there for those things so you know it's going to be a hard decision but um, fingers crossed yeah and it it won't be taken lightly there'll have to be a good bit of info before we you know you'd hate at this stage to get through everything we've done to add another issue you know that that could severely impact her quality of life well look Taylor we all we all said hi and I'm delighted that she got the star treatment at Tesco's All right, take care (laughs) Emma thank you very much our best to Izzy and the family in y'all and well done to Derek the gaffer down in Tesco's in y'all now uh, listening to Mike Donovan a while ago Carmel isn't too happy about the pubs the the wet pubs staying closed hey Carmel good morning Good morning PJ you're not happy I'm well no I'm very very annoyed 
Why? Very, very nice here, PJ, because I tell you one thing, the shops are opening tomorrow, they blame the pubs, they blame the pubs for, for the virus. This virus was well here when the pubs was asked to close the match. They all closed before the date. They weren't supposed to close till on Monday. They closed after the night around the city. And they didn't reopen till the government gave them permission. The schools opened in September before the pubs. The schools were open two and a half weeks before the pubs. Mm. The pubs opened. They were asked, like the hairdressers, to do their stuff. And they went away. They took their money from their pockets. They did very well, the pubs did. Now the hairdressers did. And they really and truly put safety there for us. Mm. Have you a connection to a pub? Carmel. I am not. No, you're I'm not. I'm a, a customer to okay. pubs. Okay. Okay. And I have to say, what will happen tomorrow? The shops will open. I can go into Parker Street tomorrow at nine o'clock, going just instant to Dunn's, what's opened at the moment. And I go into Dunn's, and I'll do is queue up outside the door. No one there to tell me to do my two metres distance. Then I go into the shop. I spend two, three hours inside and done. No one will tell me to get out that door. I lift up every top in the shop, every pen, every bit clothes, and put them down, and there won't be no one there behind my at my side to take that top away. And I'm after handling all done. I leave done. I go across the road. I go into Penny. Yes. I do the exact same. Yes. And if, if that's not going to give us viruses, what will? The wet pubs, they never hand no one. The only pubs, problem is, Carmel, as, as Marie called in to say, is that after a few points, people forget the rules. Um, sorry. I have to take that one back from you, PJ, and from Marie. I was in two pubs when they opened. When they opened Mm -hmm. um, after... um, September, September September 21st. Sorry now, okay? I was in two pubs. We could not sit at the bar counter. There was two metres apart from us. And when the toilets were full, if there was two gone out to the toilet, the bar person told us there's two, there's big signs on the, uh, on the door. Now, I have no education. I can read, Harley, but I can read two people, please, two people in the uh, toilet at one time. Yes. Now, I can read that much, and uh, a child could read that. And I... We had to wait. We couldn't go from table to table. Yeah. My 68th was in September. Mm-hmm. I could, I was hoping that my regular bar was going to be opened to have a few drinks with my Where, where do you like to friends. go, Carmel? And I went to this bar that was open. What looked after us very, very well 
We went out for our meal, our family, and met a few friends of mine. They treated us lovely. They had two meters apart. They put us into a room uh, with a few more, a handful of customers. But we were treated, and there was no problem. And what's the matter with that wet pub won't open out today as they were doing carefully. It's like we was never, when all the pubs closed, the pubs closed. When the pubs opened, the pubs opened. Yeah. What the people who got pubs in wills from their great, great, great grandmothers, where are they today closed? Mm-hmm. Because they have only an armory kitchen. Now, inside the town, and think back now, eh, for years, who was doing food in town? They were never doing this, only lately the carvery. A couple of years ago, carvery lunches came into this country. The mm-hmm. pubs opened. The Long Sally is one of them. What is he trying to do? Close him down completely. He did soup and sandwiches. He did. And the enterprise was another place you could well, go they, for your food. Right, a full a full restaurant. A, a full restaurant they and there were other own all kitchens. The enterprise yeah. is gone to a full restaurant. I'm going back years oh, ago. Yeah. Okay. And there was the Lee Trashaw with their soup and sandwiches. Oh, yeah. You could go and they all do. Has only soup and sandwiches. That's all. That's all most of them have. Yeah. The old oak, when he opened first, never did lunches. Never ever did lunches. Yeah. The jerk highly was opened before. I know. That was fully bad. I know. I know. I get, I get what you, I, I get. What you're saying, Campbell. You you really would love to have the pubs open. And on, on, one on. more question. Go ahead. Christmas will come now. Everyone be inside in one place, inside in Parcher Street. Tune up, hope, and they will get into the restaurant bars. Where will the gas be out in the country? The country people are left without one pub even. And where will they be inside in town? They're entitled to their Christmas, as well as the city people. They gave up drinking driving. When he bought it in, when they bought it in, they gave up, they get left to the pubs. Now they're without the pubs after stealing since March and they're after punishing them. And they will punish them more because they will have to take the gas from the country into the city and the people will be broken into old and all. I know, I know, Carmel, there's all sorts of things that you're, that you're afraid of and, and that will all be go horribly wrong for you. Look, thank you so much for your call. I, I understand you're one of many people who wish the pubs were opening tomorrow. And let me tell you, I, I wish they were opening too, but unfortunately they're not. Uh, and they can't scientifically but look thank you very much for your call really really appreciate it Carmel The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM with Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see lehanmotors.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Text or WhatsApp now 083 396 96 96 On Cork's 96 FM 
I'll put some of Carmel's arguments to Minister Michael McGrath when we speak to him after 10. To be fair, she deserves to have her questions asked and answered. But first of all, Bishop Paul Colton is calling on people to celebrate a very special day today for St. Finbar's Cathedral. It's the 150th anniversary of the opening of the cathedral. Bishop Colton, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm good. Lovely to talk to you. Hundred? Did it open 150 years ago today? Yeah, it's what we call the consecration. My predecessor, Bishop John Gregg, uh, it was a great occasion in Cork. The corporation processed up to the cathedral and the bishops and archbishops and uh, we're told that by half past ten, the people who were favoured with tickets, the history tells us, were queuing outside to get in. So it was a big occasion and my predecessor, Bishop John Gregg, uh, consecrated, set aside the cathedral for holy use and that's what it's been used for in the past 150 years. Of course it's not the first building on the site I mean, uh, worship has been offered in, in buildings on that site since the 7th century but that okay. particular, this particular building is 150 years in use from today. Right. Now you want people out there, it must be the subject of a million photographs but you want people to take photographs or post photographs today. Well, that was an idea we had. Look, like everybody else, our plans have been scuppered by the uh, by the the virus. We had great plans for yesterday and today, so we've been looking at other ways uh, around the county. Children are colouring and doing projects from a resource book that I put together and there's special assemblies in the schools today. The choir has launched uh, a CD but as for today uh, we're saying well look uh, people are often posting photos in Cork with the hashtag Cork and today we're suggesting that passers-by obviously don't take photos from your cars but pedestrians uh, for whatever uh, or even if you have photos of old uh, mm. of memories of old. There's a gorgeous photograph that was taken it might have been taken with a drone during the big snow a couple of years ago that's right and it's available as a Christmas card from the cathedral website along with that CD I mentioned just to get the plug in never a man to miss a trick and there's an online service as well Bishop yeah it's a a short ceremony because ironically if we'd waited till tomorrow we could have had 50 people at it Uh, but uh, uh, today we're still restricted to an online ceremony and the Lord Mayor Councillor Joe Kavanagh and the Lady Mayor Stephanie will be the only uh, representatives of the wider community at it, joining the Dean and myself. And it'll be a short ceremony from 11am online, and you can link to that on the St. Finbar's Cathedral website. Excellent. Before, and I know that you will be, you have been writing a sermon. Uh, quick question for you. How's the shoulder, Paul? The shoulder is much better. The shoulder's ready for carrying the crozier, but not ready for waving it around to give someone a belt. You won't be playing tennis anytime soon, like. Well, I'm not a left-handed tennis player in a way. All right. Well, listen. Look after yourself and look after everybody. And Thanks, uh, congratulations on the day. Strange times, but indeed. We, we, we may talk another. closer to Christmas. We may talk closer to Christmas. Thank you for for that, uh, Bishop Paul Colton. Uh, the 150th anniversary of St. Finbar's Cathedral. Take a photograph, post it up under the hashtag SFB150. And if you already have an old photograph, put it up again, SFB150. One of us more, our most gloriously beautiful buildings in Cork, 150 years old today. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM.
1850 the number, the text to WhatsApp 083 Email for the show opinion at 96fm.ie. Remember Twitter at opinionline96, hashtag OL96, and you can contact us anytime you like through Facebook the Cork's 96FM Facebook page and please mark your messages for the attention of the opinion line. Big response to Carmel. Uh, Carmel, very passionate about her views with regard to the pubs, not the wet pubs, not reopening. A lot of people agreeing with some of the points that she makes about the country pubs and the small pubs in rural areas. It's not fair on them. And Then other people saying to me, well, why was she left on air for about 10 minutes too long? Why did PJ not put the scientific factual information to her as she he does to other guests who are pro-wet pub opening? For the simple reason is they are wet pub, they are wet pub, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, advocates. People like the VFI are advocates for the wet pubs and, and they're in it, they're, they're making a political point. Carmel is a punter. She misses her pub. She misses her outing. And, and I have to allow her her opportunity to, to speak her, her mind as an ordinary punter because this show is more about the ordinary punter than it is about uh, the expert or the talking head. 1850 Let us look at Cork, though, factually and scientifically. And I'm about to discuss the reopening this week. But before I do, can we go through some of the numbers? Uh, the numbers for Cork, uh, we mentioned over the last uh, half an hour or so, yesterday only seven cases in, in all of Cork, city and county, which was brilliant. Our 14-day figure for today, November 30th, as in right up to about six, as in to last evening was when the counting stopped. We get a new figure today at 12 o'clock. But our 14-day figure as of today is 340 cases in Cork City and County, which is 68 or so per 100,000 of population. Go back a week when it was 440, roughly 89 per 100K. Go back three weeks, it was 665 that was 135 per 100k. And go back to the start of pre-lockdown, the 30th of October, which would be last month. This is the 30th of November. Go back to the 30th of October. And our 14-day figure was 1,724, which was 345 per 100,000 population in terms of new infections notified. Totally since the 1st of March, we've had 6,400 cases across Cork City and County, which is an infection of about one-third of the population. Or one, Sorry, 1.3%. 1.3% of the population affected in terms of infection since the 1st of March. But over the last month, our number of cases per 100K is down four-fifths, which means Cork has done quite well in controlling the numbers of the virus during the lockdown, despite all of the scenes we saw on multiple Saturday nights around town. Despite that, we still are down four-fifths. You have to wonder if that hadn't happened around town, if those mobs hadn't gathered in town on Saturday night. Not now the ordinary families going around looking in shop windows, but the, you know who I'm talking about. The crowd down outside the library, for example. If they hadn't gathered on Saturday night, we might be doing even better. You never know. 
1850 But the plan is to reopen starting tomorrow and reopen in a number of different stages. Minister Michael McGrath, Minister for Public Expenditure, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. Good morning to you. And thanks for taking our call no this morning, Michael. We move tomorrow to level three with modifications, as the Taoiseach said on Friday evening. Um, Again, the instructions are continue to work from home where you can. Different guidance on face masks, which I'll get to in a minute. Non-essential retail and services will be allowed to resume. But the government or the cabinet, of which you remember, made the decision to go against Neffet's advice, particularly around indoor dining and all that. Was that a tough decision to make? Well, all of these decisions are genuinely really tough, PJ, because they impact on people, they impact on livelihoods, and they impact on, you know, public health uh, risk as well. And, you know, over the last six weeks, we have done really well, and you've given the numbers there for Cork, and the numbers have really come down uh, because of the support of people over that period of time. Um, But all of that has come at a cost. I mean, nationally, we had about 150,000 people lost their job since the beginning of October, and about 100,000 of those uh, lost their job during the Level 5 period of restrictions. And so there is is a, a very delicate weighing up of factors here that government have to, to take into account. Um, on NEFIT specific recommendations, like in broad terms, they wanted us to move to level three. We're doing that. Mm. Uh, they did not want to open hospitality, but their argument was that, uh, that to go against that, you can uh, ease household restrictions earlier. Uh, and we decided that, um, based on NEFIT's advice, that it was kind of one or the other in the early part of the yeah. month. Uh, that we would go with opening hospitality Uh, we would keep the household restrictions in place bearing in mind PJ that that's not a ban if you need to call to somebody for for care or for compassionate reasons uh, there's no problem with that Um, I got that same same impression listening to the the Neffet news briefings and, and reading what they were saying that you can either allow us to visit people over the Christmas or you can open the pubs and the restaurants. You can't actually do both safely. Cabinet rejected that advice. Yeah, so where, where we are diverging from uh, Neffet is over the Christmas period itself uh, where we are allowing both. We are uh, allowing um, households to, to mix you know, with restrictions, three households uh, maximum, uh, and uh, we are allowing the um, gastropubs and the restaurants to be open at the same time. But up until that point, up until the 18th, um, you know, the choice was one or the other. We, we, we have made our choice. And uh, look, there, there are risks in all of this. Uh, mm. There's no doubt. It, it, this is about managing risk. Um, but I think people are weary and I think people have done incredibly well. Uh, but opening up these, you know, facilities and establishments doesn't force anyone to go to them. People will make their own decisions uh, mm-hmm. as to what is right for them and their family uh, and you know their their loved ones those are decisions that people yeah. will make Pers- personal but we, responsibility yeah, but we but felt you, that it was important you, to you give. could have opened wet pubs on the same principle why keep them closed and that was a really difficult decision uh, and I know Michael O'Donovan was was on uh, with you earlier today and my heart genuinely does go out to 
uh, Michael and the other publicans who are not uh, being allowed to open under uh, the level three. The, the view was that there is additional risk when it comes to uh, pubs that are not serving food, that it is, it is a different experience. Mm-hmm. I, t- I take the point that the actual guidelines from Falter Ireland uh, are the same, uh, but the experience that we've had so far and the experience internationally is that there, there is a different risk profile. And, you know, you, you are having to weigh up here yeah. lots of different factors. This is incredibly tough uh, on the publicans that aren't allowed to open. Uh, but what we have done is we have reinstated uh, the pop to the full rate. We've reinstated the uh, wage subsidy scheme to yeah. the maximum rates. Uh, we've introduced a new scheme for businesses that are closed because of public health restrictions or who can only do a small amount of trade yeah. um, because customers aren't allowed on their premises. We're doubling that for three weeks over the Christmas yeah, period. And, and that's we, and all we, great, but isn't, it, isn't, isn't it particularly hard on, on the rural pub, the small rural pub, the small family business in, in the country? It's easy to have a kitchen and, and have a proper chef and cook in, in a city or in a big town. It's not easy to do that in a, in a rural pub. You'll just never make the money back. So basically you've closed down of keeping all the rural pubs closed. Yeah, many of them do not have kitchens uh, and that is that is a requirement in this level three that yeah, the, the kitchen must be on site. Why wasn't it okay this time to do a deal with the chipper over the road? I, I think that got quite loose in practice, PJ, and uh, I don't think that that was in keeping with the spirit of it. You know, the spirit of it was that, you know, pubs that are in the food business as well uh, would be allowed to continue with that business uh, and that the food would be prepared on site. You know, bringing in the pizzas and the chips from down the road was never in keeping with um, what was in mind and mm. the spirit of those uh, decisions Did, did at you the come time. under pressure from the restaurant sector to stop it? No. No, sure? that was, I, well, they weren't was, happy about it. Was, it, like. it, was, it was never, never mentioned to me. I can tell you that for sure. Um, and I, look, I take that there, there is criticism for not opening uh, the wet pubs. If we were to do that, we'd have gone further against the Neffet advice mm. and we would be criticised for having done that. We were never going to be able to please everybody on Friday, unfortunately. But because of the decisions that we've made, you know, many thousands of people will be going back to work tomorrow. You know, hairdressers, beauty salons will open. Many shops across Cork and around the country will be reopening tomorrow and I hope they get the support that they deserve yeah. because that is what is really important now. December is a critical month uh, for retail, for hospitality too. Uh, and, you know, I think we all in the decisions that we make as consumers need to back them to the best um, extent that we possibly can. Michael O'Donovan maintains and his his colleague Padraig Cribben said the same on this programme last week, Minister, that this is a political decision against the, the wet pubs. Well, ultimately, it is a decision made by government, so you can call it uh, a political decision, but it's not a decision made for political reasons. Uh, and there is, you know, a distinct difference there. We have published all of the data that we relied upon in making our decision on Friday. It's all up online on gov.ie. And you can argue data, you know, this way and that way, but I think the overall trends and the overall picture is pretty clear. You know, indoor environments are more risky. I think we all accept that. So it's a question of what level of risk uh, can you tolerate and I have no doubt that many of the uh, the wet pubs the vast majority of them uh, you know are well run, were well run for the very short period uh, that they were allowed to open but there were exceptions and we have to be honest about that too But when uh, you do that you see 
we know there were exceptions. We had reports of them here. But when you keep everybody shut, you're punishing the many for the sins of the few. Yeah, and that's why we need to support them, because we want them to survive. And I know that this is incredibly difficult, and some of them may not survive. And, you know, I hope that that's not the case. Um, but I did discuss this issue with Minister Donoghue and colleagues uh, last week, that if we were making the decision uh, for wet pubs not to reopen, we did have to provide extra support, and we are doing that. Um, so, like, yeah. in addition to all of the grants that have been given, this special payment for businesses that are not allowed to reopen... Uh, is going to continue and it has been doubled for the three weeks in December which is a critical period but I I will engage with Michael and the VFI uh, to see uh, you know what further we can do I know what they really wanted to be out open I appreciate that Uh, we're not in a position to allow that right now I got a call as well from someone who was talking to a publican friend of his and said that 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 publican because the insurance policy came round publican has just forked out 12k for insurance and are not allowed to open. How are they supposed to make that money back? Uh, it's it, it's very difficult. I mean, they should be they should try to negotiate with the insurer on the basis that there are no customers on the premises, so the risk of uh, public liability uh, is greatly reduced. Uh, they will obviously need to continue with you know property liability cover and some public liability, but there's a much greater risk, uh, sorry, a much reduced risk uh, of a claim because you, the doors are shut, um, and uh, that's an issue I will take up with the insurance industry if those uh, publicans are not getting any. Re- because they should be, um, because uh, mm. the risk of, of a claim, if your doors are shut, uh, are much, much reduced. Mm. How are we going to pay for all of this, Michael McGrath, when, when it's over and we hope against hope that it will be over by the end of 2021 if we get the vaccines rolled out and all of that? How are we going to pay for all this? Well, look, first of all, we will get through this, PJ. People have been fantastic, and I know we've had to make difficult decisions that, that do not please everybody, but you know we are, uh, and you've pointed to it yourself, we are among the best uh, in Europe now in terms of the, the incidence rates. We're actually the second best, so we have the second lowest rates across Europe. All the countries around Europe who didn't make the decisions uh, early as we did in, in moving to level five, for example, are now having to close uh, large parts of their economy coming into December, into the critical month. Um, but there is a cost. We went into all of this with you know, a national debt of around $200 billion at the beginning of this year. By the end of next year, that will be up to about $240 billion. But what we have been doing through the, uh, the National Treasury Management Agency is refinancing as much of our debt as we possibly can mm. at historic low interest rates. We're able to borrow uh, at essentially close to zero, negative rates uh, in terms of some shorter term debt and we're pushing that debt out. So we're taking as long, long-term long debt as we possibly can. So even though our debt is rising, the cost of servicing that debt or repayments is actually mm. falling. Uh, and about and how long can we maintain that? Because there's nothing to stop the European Central Bank or from whoever we're borrowing going, all right, lads, we want it all now. Well, no, they can't do that, but uh, the European Central Bank could... Uh, could withdraw their exceptional support from the market so they're basically buying a lot of government debt at the moment uh, and because of their willingness to intervene borrowing costs are remarkably low and that won't continue indefinitely you're right Uh, but look it would be the wrong thing for the government now to start cutting back on supports you know cut your way out of this no no, can you guarantee people that we won't be facing into once we get rid of this thing and hopefully like we said by the end of 2021 with 
vaccines and all that being successful, life will go back to something close to, if not totally normal, where we can go to a match and go to the pub and do things normally and go on a holiday. Is there any danger at all that we're facing into many years of austerity? Um, I don't think that that's likely at all. I think that if you, you look at our if you if you look at our forecasts, we believe that uh, bringing about uh, economic recovery uh, will do the bulk of the heavy lifting in reducing our deficit okay. over time. Now, BJ, no government can give a guarantee that we're not going to make a decision that's unpopular or, or will displease people. Um, but when I look at what is happening across the economy overall, when I look at the household savings rates, you know, 35% of net disposable income was saved in quarter two. Now, I know that's, you know, in the round and there are many people who can't pay their bills. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of people who, who can and who are saving a lot of money. So I think the economy has the potential to re- rebound okay. quite strongly uh, and quite quickly. Um, and that, that is our assessment. One, 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 one hopes that you're right. And in fairness, as a, as a financial management accountant before you entered politics, you, you have a good handle on how to predict these things. So we'll, we'll try to hold you to it. Just in terms of uh, houses over Christmas, and I know that there's been a, a decision to release us, if you like, from our from the shackles for the few days over the Christmas and I think everybody will appreciate that but how on earth is it going to be maintained like we're told three households over the Christmas like the dogs in the street Jim says Michael the dogs in the street know that the houses will be jammed uh, some maybe, but I genuinely get the sense from talking to a lot of people that many people are going to have a different Christmas. You know, people are, I think, more cautious maybe than we, we give credit for. And, you know, the, the exceptions tend to become the story and get a lot of traction online and on social media, and, and that's fine. But many, many people are being careful because they believe that we are on the home straight, and I think we are. Uh, you know, the likelihood is that there will be a vaccine rolled out in the coming months, so this may well be the final, uh, the, the, the one and only Christmas where uh, some restrictions have to be in place. Look, we're asking people to use their common sense. Um, it's not the law uh, that households can't mix, but this is our guidance, yeah. and we're asking people to, you know, show personal responsibility as they by and large have been doing uh, right up to now. And you always get but, the exception. You, know, you, think, you, you think most people will play ball, do you? Uh, I, think, I think the vast majority will and I think people will plan their Christmas accordingly. You know, uh, I mean, if I take my own situation, you know, I'll call to my mum maybe uh, on the morning of Christmas Day. You know, my brother uh, or sister might call at different times in the afternoon. We won't be all there together. Yeah. We'll do it differently. Yeah. And I, I think a little bit of common sense uh, will go a long way. And the overall point I want to make is that whatever about the government decisions, we all know that what really makes the difference is what we all do as individuals. And look, people have been fantastic, by and large. People have been brilliant. And, you know, we should acknowledge that. We're doing well overall. It's come at a, a very high price. And I do feel really sorry uh, for the wet pubs. Yeah. And we will work with them. Uh, but a lot of businesses are opening tomorrow. And, you know, my message is to, to try to support them and here and locally hoping, in Cork. I, I think we can. People, I, we'd be afraid of stampedes. I, I, I would hope we won't have, have a stampede in tomorrow. But I think people will support the businesses. On the restaurants and the gastro pubs, question come in, Minister. Um, should the pubs be careful about where they're taking the bookings from, i.e., limiting who's in the booking? Like this man says that there's one uh, circumstance he knows where six lads from six different houses are trying to make a booking for next Friday night. Like, is there a limit for a wet pub on what kind of a booking they take, or a restaurant pub on what kind of a booking they take? 
So it is a maximum of six people uh, and they can all come from different households. I mean, that probably will be the exception, but um, they can be. But multiple tables being booked, you know, by larger groups um, is not permitted. So uh, it is a maximum of six people. And, um, you know, I think the I think the overwhelming majority of restaurant owners and and gastro pub owners, they want to be able to continue to trade. uh, And I think they will manage this. And what about takeaway points from wet pubs? Are they allowed or not? Uh, they are allowed, yes, so they can continue to, to sell uh, alcohol for uh, for a takeaway basis. But as you know, under the law, uh, it is not permissible to drink in public. I think we all know the reality is it has happened no. and is happening. Um, and I think we will see greater guard of visibility okay. uh, and enforcement. Um, but, you know, there are many establishments that do sell alcohol to people, you know, which is not consumed on the street. Um, mm. And it would be a shame for them to have to stop okay. their business uh, and so, um, uh, and there are also in rural areas some some pubs that that, that will that will that will continue to do some trade on a takeaway basis. And if we were to shut that down, then they would be okay. entirely gone as well. Our final question for you comes from Queensland uh, Minister from Dr. Noel Conroy, who's been on the program a couple of times uh, and very active uh, from outside the country on the present public health um, industrial action threat. Will you or anyone of the cabinet sign off on the consultant contract for the public health doctors? We are on the brink of industrial action. Dr. Dr. Conroy wants to wants to ask that question from Queensland, Australia. Yeah, I'm very much aware uh, of this issue, PJ, and it has only landed in my department uh, in the last week or so. Uh, the proposal has now come from uh, the Department of Health, and I just have to allow my officials to do their assessment of that, and they'll give me a Are report. Are you minded to sign it? Um, yes, we want to do this, and uh, I am confident that there will be a resolution here. I know that the public health doctors who have done incredible work do not want to go on strike, uh, and they shouldn't go on strike during a pandemic and I don't think that they will uh, and it shouldn't come to that. Uh, I think they have uh, a strong case. Cabinet um, has a huge role to play in them not doing that. No it does. Um, I, I accept that and I accept our responsibility. Uh, you know we're in government five months. This issue has been going on for many years but it has gone further now than it had in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is now a proposal that has just come in from the Department of Health. It's detailed because it needs to be um, because this isn't you know it's not just about salary it's about the the position and the status of public health doctors within the overall uh, architecture in our health service. Uh, This is something that we we want to do, but there is a process, um, but it is being prioritised. How how long might they have to wait? Uh, well, as I say, it's just come in now from the Department of Health. My officials are going through it. I've asked them to prioritise it, to give me an assessment uh, as quickly as possible, and I would hope that that will be. I would hope that that will be before Christmas. Weeks. Before Christmas, yes, you'd hope. That, that, that I will have a report and I, I won't be sitting on it. I'll make a prompt decision once I have that. All right. OK, listen, thank you for your time this morning. We do appreciate it. That's Minister Michael McGrath, the Minister for Public Expenditure. Uh, it all starts tomorrow. Uh, from tomorrow, you've got to continue to stay within your county, although you, the five kilometres is gone. Uh, you've got to continue to work from home if you can. Face masks, I didn't get to it with the minister, but there's so much in there. You now need to wear a face mask in a busy street. So when you come into town tomorrow or the day after, do a shopping. Obviously, because it's only a couple of weeks to Christmas, the streets will be busy. You're expected to wear your mask 
not just in the shop, not just in the shopping centre, not just on the bus, but in the street when the street is busy. You're all supposed to play, uh, wear them in places of worship. The churches can reopen from tomorrow. Uh, museums, galleries, cinemas, gyms, mask in all of those. 15 people may gather outdoors. Uh, individually, individual dance or exercise classes not allowed. The, the, the dance, dance, the dance schools are still closed. Hotels and guest houses can open, but services for residents only. That's until Friday. Weddings, twenty-five guests. Funerals, twenty-five mourners. That's from tomorrow. Public transport capacity increases from tomorrow. It's now up to fifty percent. Uh, the gastropubs, and we'll do this more later in the week, the gastropubs and the restaurants and stuff, they open on Friday the 4th. And then from the 18th, you can travel outside the county to visit people over the Christmas. 1850-715-996. Got an email to opinion at 96.ie from Anne. IPJ, most country pubs do toasted sandwiches. Surely the senior citizens could be accommodated between noon and six in those pubs. They could meet their friends and shop. The big surge in September had to be schools and colleges reopening. The Department of Education have washed their hands on contact tracing and it's rather stupid for them to have one family member in a class as a close contact and the other members in the same household not classified. I suppose they'll blame the HSE or who's really in charge in schools before the Christmas holidays. Can they test all schools? The testers are not overworked, says Anne. Well, that's a bit unfortunate of you to say that, Anne. The testers are not. The testers are run off their feet, conducting seventy or eighty thousand tests a week. To be absolutely fair, lots of comments on the pubs, which I'm going to hold over for a week while because I need to take a break and way behind. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 96 On Cork's 96FM. You see some comment on the People's Republic that I shouldn't have asked Michael McGrath whether we were heading into austerity. Why not? This is going to have to be paid for. Support is vitally important. Business has to be supported. It is being supported. A lot of people would say it could be supported more, but it's being supported. But at the end of the day, you have to pay for it. It's being supported with our money and borrowed money. And while I have no problem with that support being given, it is going to have to be paid. You'd love to see something done like they did after the Second World War. I think the term was martial money. I might be wrong on that, but there were some countries, Germany being one, was still paying back its Second World War costs like 10 years ago. We need to do something. We need to have a long-term guarantee that we won't wake up some morning and find you and me and everyone around us lashed with more taxes like happened in 2008 because people remember what happened in 2008, 2009. And we don't want to go back there. We're afraid of our lives to have to go back there. Nobody wants us to be pinched the way we were pinched back then. So we're entitled to ask those questions. Well, thank you, Proc. You're always on the ball. 1850715996. This week with Foot Solutions, a 200 euro voucher to give away every day, giving the gift of comfort to your loved ones this Christmas with a gift card from Foot Solutions. So we're doing footprints in the snow. All right. Footprints in the snow. And giving you three pieces of audio every day with a different number of footprints in each one. You need to add them up and give me the total. Now, just because it's Monday and just because I'm feeling nice and just because I'm introducing the competition today, I'm going to do the first one again. All right? I know I'm being very generous here. Being almost as generous... Oh, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) let's do the first one again. And then we'll do the second one. So here's our first piece of Foot Solutions audio. How many footprints in the snow here? And can we have the second piece, please? So you've got the first one. Now, how many in the second piece of footsteps in the snow audio? You've now had two pieces, there will be a third, and after that we'll take your answers on text or WhatsApp to 083 396 96 96. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96 FM.
Now, you'll remember a couple of weeks ago on the programme, we spoke with Mary Steed. Uh, Mary's in the States and, of course, is a Besborough baby born in the mother and baby home in Besborough and uh, one of the banished, as they call them, uh, adopted to the United States. And she told us the story of herself and her mom and her mom's adventure, shall we say, at the hands of the the nuns uh, and Besborough mother and baby home and all that. We know that the report is on the minister's desk now, the report of the mother and baby homes commission. Uh, We know that it's being legaled and that when it is legaled, we'll get to see it. We're told that it runs to about 4,000 pages and we're told that it will make for horrendous and very upsetting reading uh, in many places. We know also that the interim report that came out and it broke, the story broke here on this programme when the interim report came out. It revealed that on the grounds of Besborough or indeed in the history of Besborough Mother and Baby Home there's the bones of 900 children unaccounted for and I say bones realistically and literally because there were 900 children who died and we have no way of knowing where they are and it is widely believed and there's been a lot of research into this it is widely believed that they are buried on the grounds somewhere on the grounds of the former mother and baby home yesterday afternoon uh, a walker who happens to be a member of the Bestborough Mother and Baby Home Facebook group, was out and saw two planning notices. Someone is seeking to build two large residential developments on the grounds of Bestborough. And it prompted Martin Parfrey uh, from the Cork-based Adoption Support Group, Know My Own, and indeed a member of the Bestborough Commemorative Committee. It prompted Martin uh, to get on to us. Martin, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. This isn't the first time this has come up. No, indeed. Um, there has been speculation for some time about development in Besborough. And as you rightly say, there are over 800 bodies unaccounted for. A small number of the bodies were accounted for, but only a very small number. Something like 64, I think. Yeah. The rest are unaccounted for. And we have good reason to believe that many of those if not most, are buried in Besborough, somewhere on those grounds. We have asked time and time again for a full forensic examination of the grounds before any development is allowed. Mm -hmm. Now, this doesn't have to be a long process. It doesn't have to be an expensive process. With modern technology, it can be done by X-ray. But there is absolutely no way whatsoever that any development should be allowed until such an examination is carried out. Now, the, the posters have gone up, and we have photographs of them. We, we're, uh, we're attempting to get hold of the developer. Uh, it's a company called MWB2 Limited. We're attempting to contact the developer. If we hear anything back, we'll certainly bring their response to you and to our listeners. But the, the, there's, it's a number of two separate developments of apartments. Do we know where they would be, Martin? <clears throat> well, we, we know that there can't be any development in the convent area itself and also the cemetery area where the nuns are buried and where the folly is. Mm. But these developments, I mean, one of them is 67 apartments in an eight-storey building. Um, The other is 179 residential units, three apartment buildings of five to seven storeys each. You'll also have communal open areas, car and bicycle parking, 
in storage, um, access roads, and so on. So from the looks of it, these are very substantial, and I would reckon that everything except the Folly burial area and the buildings would be gone, the whole yeah. lot. Yeah. That to take up the entire grounds, apart from that, yeah. which would mean almost certainly that they'd be building on bodies. I mean, do we want a situation where machinery will go in and start turning up human remains? That's a horrendous thought, but a realistic one, to be fair. You've, you've sent an email to the Minister for Children. I have, and I've also forwarded that email to the four TDs in Cork South Central, Michael McGrath, who was on with you a short while ago, and Taoiseach, Michal Martin, Simon Coveney, and Donegal Lira. Uh, now, I'm also appealing to anybody with any connection whatsoever to Besborough to lodge objections to the planning application. Now, apparently this company did send in a pre-application to on board Tanala back around April, yeah. which was sanctioned in May, but uh, that doesn't actually grant planning permission, so we don't need to worry too much about that. Um, this is just a pre-planning application, but also I would urge people to get on to the Cork City Councillors and insist, not ask, but insist that they would oppose this planning application. <clears throat> I mean, there are still people alive who are seeking the resting place of their loved ones, yes. you know? Um, yes. There's one lady that I know who comes over every year for the annual commemoration that you mentioned. <laughs> she asked the nun in Besborough one time where her son was buried, and the nun just tapped the ground with her foot and said, he's here. Now, when the report of the Mother and Baby Homes Commission came out, she discovered that her son is actually buried in the cemetery on Cars Hill. Yes. But the fact that the nun did indicate that he was buried in Besborough was an admission in itself, that there are bodies buried there. Yes. And people, as I say, are still looking for the whereabouts of their loved ones. And it should be noted, Martin, like, many of these deaths, we're not talking the dim, dark ages here. We're talking 60s, 70s, late 70s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, almost up to the 80s. And you see, that's the whole thing. A lot of the loved ones are still alive and are still asking the questions and still want to know where their babies are. Many of those mothers are still alive. Uh, there are siblings who want to know where their brothers or sisters' remains are. But one thing that might help us, um, <clears throat> I have heard since I made contact, that NWB2 need investors to proceed with this project. Well, I can make it very clear to any prospective investors that they'll be facing a bloody long period of years and years of challenges before anything will happen in Besborough. Mm. And we'll go legal if we have to. Um, we don't have funds, but thanks. That, that hasn't stopped no my own in the past, Martin, to be it, fair. It, it hasn't, and it won't stop us again. Um, thankfully, in, in modern times, there are plenty of ways to raise money, um, things like GoFundMe, mm -hmm. and I have no doubt whatsoever that there would be a huge number of right-thinking people who'd be happy to contribute to something like this in the interest of seeing justice done for those who were so callously dumped. What inevitably will come up, Martin, will be the 
the requirement of housing? Oh, there's no question there. I mean, housing is urgently needed, but not built on the on what is basically a cemetery. Um, you know, we've no objection to the housing. We just want the housing delayed until the grounds are forensically examined. And as I said earlier, this does not need to take a long time. Yeah. It can be done with X-ray equipment. This could be done in a matter of days. Now, you've been asking this for years, to be fair. Oh, we have, but we've been ignored, you know. But no, it's become urgent. Yeah. Like, who, who could... Who could intervene and and who has the power to say not a shovel, not so much as a shovel until the place is properly examined? Who needs to do something? Well, I would say both the government and the local authorities surely would have that power. I mean, we saw when the folly was destroyed that the local authority were able to act very quickly and Mm -hmm. insist that it be restored. In fact, I called into Besborough recently and I was delighted to see that the folly is exactly as it used to be. Excellent, yes. You know, but um, the, the, the local authority were able to act very quickly on that and insist that it be restored. Although I'd say it cost a lot of money. Um, at the time, the nuns were saying that they ordered the, the folly to be pulled down because it was dangerous. Yeah. No, it could, of course, it could have been repointed very yeah. easily. Yeah, I mean, it ended up having to, be, having to be rebuilt. But like you said, it was the council who forced that to happen. A number of councillors were very active on it. So effectively what you're saying today, Martin, is that not a shovel to be wielded until that place has been properly examined. Absolutely nothing. I mean, there may be some bodies in St. Michael's Cemetery there may be some in St. Finbar's and there may be some on Cars Hill. But we believe that the vast majority are in the grounds of Bedsborough. I mean, we, we have heard of bodies being passed out through windows yes, in, the dead of, in the dead of night. Yes, we have. To, uh, to workmen for disposal. That's right. That's you know, right. I mean, those bodies are somewhere on the grounds of Bedsborough. And one, and one, workman, work, one workman, quite elderly now, spoke out about it. Yeah. Last year, so, so we know about this. Martin, I'm going to leave it there for no reason other than time. And we are trying to get, thank you very much, Martin Parfrey from uh, Know My Own and the Besborough Commemorative Group. We are attempting to contact uh, MWB2 Limited, who are the developers. If we get anything back from them, we will bring it to you. But the the activists, the Besborough activists, and the, those who have people there, and those who have been through there, and those, not a shovel to be wielded until that place is examined. They've been saying it for years. 1850-715-996 and they get no argument out of me on that score either. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number to call. The text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email for the show is opinion at 96fm. IE. Twitter is at OpinionLine96. And of course, contact us through Facebook, the Corks 96FM Facebook page. And please address your message for the attention of the Opinion Line. Still have a lot of comment coming in on the subject of pubs. Took a very passionate call from Carmel in the first hour this morning, who cannot see any sense behind keeping the wet pubs closed over the Christmas. And look, the science is there, the evidence is there. The surveys are there, but Carmel still doesn't understand why she can't harmlessly go to her local and have a drink 
uh, over the Christmas. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of caramels out there. Whether you like it or not, whether you see the science or not, whether you accept the science or not, whether you believe the science or not. There is a lot of caramels out there and a lot of patties, a lot of Toms, a lot of Johns, a lot of Micks and a lot of Marys. They're out there. Uh, now, these decisions will come back to haunt the government. Uh, the pubs are a political football. If I hear this word science once more, I'll cry. No evidence the wet pubs make a difference to the numbers. Are the masks making a difference? Please show the numbers. But no, there'll be no numbers, just wear masks in public. Well, Ernst & Young did crunch the numbers. It was published in the Sunday Times yesterday, and they are able to link an increase in cases with the reopening of the wet pubs in September. It's unfortunate, but they did it. They opened the pubs in Cork, Limerick and Galway. They didn't open them in Dublin. And when you put the numbers into a machine and crunch it out, there wasn't a corresponding increase in Dublin as there was in Cork, Limerick and Galway. So that's where they get the the logic from. Uh, Trish wants to know what will happen if a family of seven want to go out for dinner when there's a limit of six. I imagine that would probably be at the discretion of the pub, but unfortunately it won't happen. Remember talking about that during the summer. I live in rural Ireland. My local is a small pub run by a 70-year-old man. He'd close for good, but it's the only bit of company he has. Government are a joke. I'd love to see them live in rural Ireland. Mary says everyone's making massive sacrifices. She can't see some of her family for Christmas, but she believes keeping the pubs closed is the right thing to do. She says Minister McGrath has explained the position very clearly. Caller believes the closing of pubs is the government's attempt to stop the culture of binge drinking. John says it seems the pubs, seeing as the pubs are not open, it won't be the 12 pubs of Christmas, it'll be the 12 houses. Hi, PJ, eating in a pub is not going to kill COVID. The government have a lot to answer for. COVID is generating the homes now. Cork is doing fantastic, but Dublin is not and should be put on permanent lockdown. And Tom asks, what difference does a place of food have at preventing COVID? The whole lot of them should be closed, including the off-licenses. Also, science is not a fact. It's an opinion. What, Tom? What, Tom? Science is a fact. That's the problem. Science gives us the facts. We have to work with them. Well, thank you, Tom, and everybody. 1850-715-996. Now, a new cookbook has been published with a specific type of cooking in it. It's an evidence-based cookbook to do with cancer and healthy eating and how healthy eating can both prevent and indeed improve your outcome with regard to the treatment of cancer. Dr. Aoife Ryan. Aoife, good morning to you. Good morning. Tell me about this book because, to be fair, many people have published books and many people have published recipes over the years saying eating this, you won't get cancer or eating that will help you to get over cancer and there's not a whole lot of evidence behind it. What's the difference here? So this book, I, I, the reason I guess we wrote it to begin with was that I'm, I'm an academic dietitian. I've worked in, in oncology for 20 years and did a PhD in it. And I was kind of frustrated by the amount of information, the misinformation yeah. online, on social media, in bookshops. I'd walk into, you know, a bookshop and look at the cookery section and see all these claims. Amazon, it's just, if you type in cancer cookbook, you'll get everything from blood type diets to macrobiotic diets to um, ketogenic diets, uh, juicing diets, um, avoiding dairy. 
And I guess I was always frustrated that there was never an evidence-based alternative on the shelf, um, you know, to counteract a lot of those myths. So um, Brace for Cancer Research is a, a local Cork-based cancer charity yeah. and their campaigns manager, Owen O'Sullivan, just um, mooted the idea to me about seven years ago, well, why don't we write something that's evidence-based and to try and, you know, because they were always very interested in having a lot of good, accurate information on their website. Um, so um, I, I guess it took us many years to work on this um, and to come up with something that's evidence-based. But what we've basically done is we've taken the best scientific evidence from the World Cancer Research Fund, which is, again, you're talking about science all morning in relation to COVID. Yeah. This is all the science in relation to diet and cancer. And we've translated all of that then into healthy meals, healthy snacks, healthy, uh, all sorts of ideas to eat throughout the day. Uh, they're everyday foods, there's nothing fancy, um, yeah. but it, it fulfills all those guidelines. Now, like you said, if if when the bookshops open tomorrow, I, I wander into Waterstones or any other bookshop, Easton's or any other bookshop, and I look for books on, on healthy eating, I will get all sorts of promises and all sorts of guarantees mm-hmm. that, I don't know, having having black pepper on tomatoes and, and grinding them down mm-hmm. with cheese, or, you know, mm-hmm. that that will stop me getting... like. Yeah. How do you separate the, the the nonsense from the fact? Because there is fact there. Yeah, so the facts are that, I mean, I, I guess the facts are that if we look at all of the scientific evidence and there's been hundreds and thousands of large scientific studies done looking at diet and lifestyle and cancer. We know from all of that that about 40% of cancers are preventable. Um, so 60% are just random events that occur where someone develops cancer and we have no reason to explain why they got cancer. Um, but about 40% or so are thought to be preventable. And if we look at all of the evidence that's been published in all of the big epidemiological studies, um, the same trends come up frequently in all the big studies. And I suppose the most important thing is to try and maintain a healthy body weight. Um, obesity is linked with about with 12 different cancers now. We have convincing scientific evidence that being overweight or obese is a causative factor of 12 cancers. And these represent some of the cancers that are most difficult to treat and some of the most common cancers we see in Ireland. Nice. So um, so being healthy weight, and that's why this cookbook will help you to maintain a healthy weight because all of the recipes are um, calorie controlled, uh, they're low in fat, they're low in salt, and they're high in fiber, high in vegetables, they're very colorful. Um, and um, we know that by following these guidelines, um, this method of eating, that you can lower the risk of cancer by between 15 to 60 percent. It depends on the, can- the specific cancer you look at. But in the big studies that they've done where they've taken thousands of people who follow these guidelines, they've seen reductions in cancer of anything from 15 to 60 percent from people who follow these consistently. So it's a lifestyle. It's a, pa- a lifestyle package, I guess, combined with exercise. Yeah, you have a number of uh, contributors as well. Like Derville O'Rourke has contributed yes. some of her rest. Now, someone like Derville has to keep healthy all the yes. time and eat well and plenty mm-hmm. of energy and all that. So those kind of of recipes have have been put in there. Yeah, so we, I think we bought about 30 or 40 different cookbooks, myself and my co-author, Adrienne Zucola, and we trawled through them and trawled through recipes online to see could we find kind of healthier versions of what people generally try to eat. Um, and Durable's book really stood out for us. She's, she's a couple of books, but um, yeah, we have four recipes from her books that she allowed us to use. Um, there's also contributions from Georgina Campbell, the food critic, 
um, and uh, other prominent oncologists and doctors mm. and oncology nurses also contributed recipes which we were able to modify and, and include in the book. And you put well. them all through the scientific filter so you can stand yes, over them. Yes, we've analysed them all. We've analysed them all and I'm not, we're not saying that any specific meal will prevent you, prevent you getting cancer but if you eat, this is the kind of way that dietitians would encourage you to eat over the course of, of your adult life if you want to lower your risk of cancer as you get older. Okay. Well, good luck with it because you're in. You're going into a, a difficult market. There's any number of healthy eating books out there. So yeah. here's one based on on actual science. Yeah, and I should say we this is targeted at the general population, but there is a free version of this book available on the Breakthrough Cancer website. Um, it's a research website mm. which has about 50 of the recipes and it's suitable for people who maybe have survived cancer and who are in remission who Excellent. would like to eat. So that's a free version if people don't want Excellent. to pay for the paid version. Well, 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 Breakthrough Cancer Research are one of our partners on the Giving yeah. for Living Radiothon every year and we have incredible respect for what they do and they've, they've turned Cork into a, into a global, a global mm-hmm. centre of excellence for cancer research. So... If you've yeah. got their endorsement, <laughs> you've yeah. got it. All right, listen, Aoife, thank you very much. Good luck thank with you. the book. I'm going to talk to Eileen, who is a survivor of breast cancer, and, and about the misinformation that she had to deal with when she, she was trying to deal with her cancer journey. But that's Dr. Aoife Ryan, co-author of the book, The Anti-Cancer Cookbook, Recipes to Reduce Your Cancer Risk. She's the co-author of it with Dr. Aideen Nivukula. And she's Dr. E for Ryan. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. I will give you the third and final piece of audio in our Foot Solutions competition. Yeah, round about half past. Round about half past. You've had two. I even gave you the first one twice. Will I give you the first? I might. We'll see. Just because I'm being nice for the Monday, I might give them all to you again. Half eleven is when you're listening out for. 1850-715-996. Now, Eileen, good morning to you. Hello. How you, are you, doing? you You were diagnosed in 2013 with triple negative breast cancer. What's that? Uh, it, it, it's probably one of the breast cancers that is the most at early stage, right. most aggressive. Um, and, and so it, it, it's particularly hard to uh, take on board. Yeah. Um, uh, and I suppose I have, what I've always done here is um, my dad being a good cork and band, uh, true and true, yeah. uh, has always turned around and says, you tell the truth about things. So, uh, because there is this issue with triple negative breast cancer and everything else, there is, uh, there, there is also the scenario of um, abuse in relation to it. How do you you mean? That comes across in relation to uh, treatments. It comes across in relation to diet. It it comes across in relation to everything else. 
<laughs> but you know, the one thing is, this is the most vicious uh, cancer. Yeah, there is a breast cancer. What, um, what kind of, of of nonsense were you told, Eileen? Okay, I was told an awful lot of nonsense. I was, it was uh, so you at the wrong thing. You did the wrong thing. You did whatever. Yeah. You no, know what? It's none of that. Yeah. It's none of that. Um, I have a really good oncologist on the thing. It's John Grant. And you know what? Cancer's lottery. Yeah. Yeah. You heard, um, for example, that it was caused by, by root canal treatment and you were told it was caused by not being breastfed and you were given all sorts of absolute nonsense nonsense about it. Yes. And, and and you know what? Um, you know, we all want to grab on something. We all want to grab on something. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and you know what? There isn't. The only thing that you can grab on to is evidence and is science. Yeah. And that's the only you can grab on to ever. Yeah. One of the ones we hear would be uh, the most um, th- things like, oh, they, they have the cure, but, but they're not telling you because oh, it's big business. Don't, don't, don't give me... <laughs> yeah, I know. I just can't go. Don't give me that tough pot. Uh, mm. I, uh, I, I could say it in... Yeah. Like even so now, I'm, even now, I anticipate texts coming into me, giving me links to YouTube, telling me that the real story is here. Do you know? <laughs> I know. What message would you have, Eileen? Because you've now, in fairness to you, no, could I could I give something about this book? Yes, and, of course. And this thing, I have stood up behind people who have been brilliant, right, in the thing. And and there's nobody more brilliant than Aoife mm-hmm. in what she does. Um, and, and, you know, there's nobody ever that could ever stand up and be more... Not also... Yeah. Does. And I know whatever, but 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 she cares. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and uh, and they've put an awful lot of work into this book, and and it, hopefully it'll be able to, if you like, break down some of the nonsense that is out there. Eileen, thank you very much. I'm glad that you are cancer free now with a recent number of years, and you really wanted to strongly endorse the anti-cancer cookbook. Uh, as written by real scientists using real science. Thanks ever so much, Eileen. Appreciate that. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie.
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 969696. On Cork's 96 FM. You might have seen over the weekend, and it was a big surprise to those of us who did the big wheel going up again. We weren't expecting that this year. We knew they were putting the lights into Bishop Lucy Park, and they're gorgeous. And we knew that they'd be putting extra lights up in trees and on the streets and in the windows, and they're all gorgeous. We weren't expecting the glow big wheel this year. So we better figure out what's going on with that. And we'll do it uh, before we finish today. Because is it safe to put up the big wheel uh, in this of all Christmases? We'd love to think it is. We look into it. We look into it. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Also coming up, the last audio of the day with Foot Solutions. I give you the third and final piece in a wee while. But first, look, it's just under four weeks to Christmas now. Tomorrow is the first of December, and this is a time where many people will call in someone that they shouldn't to help them with the Christmas, uh, and that is the money lender. Sinn Féin TD Thomas Gould, you spoke in the Dáil about this last week. A lot of people will turn to money lenders over the next couple of weeks. And unfortunately, many of it is, much, a lot of it is legal, but we prefer they wouldn't do it. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, PJ, um, last week I raised the issue with the Minister. Uh, my father had got a leaflet in the door, like a lot of people would have got around the city, uh, from prominent money lenders outlining that how they could get money for uh, for the for the Christmas, and they're offering loans of with a um, 187 percent APR interest. Now, what 187. That means, yes. Now, Peter, what that actually means to people is, if you go to one of these money lenders, these legal money lenders, and you borrow a thousand euros for Christmas, you will pay back 1560 30 euros a week for 12 months. Like that's, like, that's a scandalous, that's robbing people. That's what that is. But the problem is, being the year that it is with COVID and everything that's after happening, families are under pressure, parents in particular, to make sure that this is a really special Christmas. And because so many people are out of work or have been on reduced payments or have been under pressure, uh, they might be able to, we know the banks are turning people down for loans. And what I asked the minister was, would he give a fund to the credit unions and post offices to help them uh, to lend to people who need it, even small amounts that would be enough to get people over to Christmas and not have these huge interest rates? I'm just looking at a credit union website here now, and I'm looking at a loan repayment for a personal loan in a credit union. And the maximum interest rate, the maximum APR that a credit union can charge is 12.68% as opposed to 187. How is that even legal, Thomas, is the question we should be asking. You see, PJ, we never made a movement um, to, to stop this kind of interest rates. And actually what Sinn Féin have done with Pierre Storty and Maureen Fowl is we've put forward legislation, but the problem is it won't be held or heard until January and even then, we don't even know if the government and the other political parties will support us. Because we're pierced, like, 
the piece of youth sport to PSRT, like no one has looked to take on the banks and the money lenders and the vulture funds like this man. And Pierce is trying to ban this kind of uh, this kind of overcharging and these huge interest rates because for people who have no other where to turn, they have to go there. And like I was talking to people in we had a Sinn Féin meeting last Thursday and I brought up the meeting and Mary Lou and there was a, a half a dozen, maybe even ten other Sinn Féin TDs said the same was happening. And it's not just in the cities, because one thing, the moneylenders were, the big, were in the t- big cities. It's in every town and village now where people are suffering. And what we're seeing is, like, I, I asked the minister, like, he needs really to, we need to do something. And the one thing... What I was, was his response to you? His, his response is that they were looking at it. Like, if, if one more government minister tells me about they're looking at things, um, we, we need action and people need support. Like we did an online survey there, and 94% of people said that they were worried about their household debt. And according to a, a survey last year, one in eight people going to debt for Christmas. And we expect that figure to be huge this year because of the year it is. Yeah. And a credit union loan at 12% max is a much more attractive option. So, and this may be an awful stupid question, Thomas Gould, why don't people go and set up a credit union account in in January and put a couple of shillings into it when they have it and then they can borrow their money at Christmas? Why do they do that, do you think? You see, the problem, PJ, is the credit union. People have probably got to the credit union for the car loan or for a loan for the kids to go to college or for a loan for, for a walk around the house. Yeah. I know they feel they can't go back. But what I'd say to your listeners... But your credit union will always talk to you. Yes, and that's what I would say, PJ. Anyone who's in trouble, they should call to the local credit union because my, like, with the, my feeling with the credit unions is where they can, they will. So if people are worried about they have too much debt already, go up and explain to them and hopefully... They, because the money lending is not the way to go, and people people will be under so much pressure in January, and yeah. I'm just really concerned. Is is there some way that you could? I assume that's what you're looking for. Would be that you you put a, a, a max, a legal max APR on on a on a money lender? Yes, all legislation that's going to come forward now will ban this type of interest rates. So what we're, what we're, we're saying, we're not going to close money lenders down, but what we're saying is they'll have to charge normal interest rates like banks or credit unions, and we are going to put a cap on it so that they can't rob people. Because what kind of cap robbery. would it be? I mean, like paying back 30 euro a week or a thousand euro loan and paying back 1,560, like that's crazy. That's utterly mad. And like you look at the, you look at the credit union. 12%, 13%, even some of the banks have 8 and 9 or 9 and 10%. That's unreasonable. Like, they deserve to get back interest on the money they lend you, but they don't deserve to rob you. And that's, to me, um, and to people out there now, and it was... And we should, we should, look, we should stress, numbers. before you use the word rob, we should stress, Thomas, that money lending is legal. And, and many of the moneylenders are fully licensed and above board and legal companies. They're just operating a system that is just crazy. Yes, and, and the government have allowed it to become crazy, PJ. And, and PJ, can I say this, right? Um, and I said this at our own meeting. 
Uh, years ago, a long time ago, God rest my mother so much. She was sick, and I remember her coming out of the hospital. I was about 13 or 14, and uh, she'd been in the hospital for months, and my dad had been up in Dublin looking after her. She was up in the matter, and things were tough. And I remember going into Ray Murray to be dressed one Christmas, and I'm not ashamed to see it. Like, I had a great family, I had great parents, and it was just that... Uh, I suppose my mother had been sick for a long time and my dad had to look after us and that's where we had to go. And for people to have to do that, and I know there are people listening to, to us this morning and what I'm saying is, please go to the credit union, try to stay away from these people mm. because what they're doing to people is wrong. Alright, listen, I'm going to leave it there, Thomas. Thank you very much for that. The advice is don't go to a money lender. At least try to avoid them. Go to your credit union. I've been a member of a credit union since, God, I'd say since I put my confirmation money into a credit union, I would think, or some of it anyway, what I had left into a credit union. And I've been a member ever since, and I wouldn't go anywhere else for money. I wouldn't. Uh, and your credit union will look after you. They will always talk to you. They will always talk to you. 1850 What's the name of the cookbook. Let me have a look over here again. The name of the cookbook, Jill, is, it's called the Anti-Cancer Cookbook, Recipes to Reduce Your Cancer Risk, and it's written by Dr. Eva Ryan and Dr. Aideen Nivukla. Eva Ryan and Aideen Nivukla. 1850-715-996. Right, we have our third and final piece of audio coming up in just a wee second. But first of all, like I said, photographs on social media over the weekend. I was very surprised to see this. Really surprised to see the Glow Ferris wheel going up because I genuinely wasn't expecting it this year because Glow, as we know it, the markets and all that, is all cancelled. Or so we thought. Michelle Carew is the Arts Officer with Cork City Council. Michelle, the the wheel is going up. We weren't expecting that. Good morning. Uh Hello, good morning. Yes, the wheel is going up and um, interesting to hear you, 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 the impression people had that Glow was cancelled and indeed, of course, we knew very early on from way back in the summer that we weren't going to be able to have the Christmas we usually have. We wouldn't be having the normal Glow event. So we were still, though, within the City Council, very um, anxious that we would be able to provide a sense of Christmas and the things um, that people enjoy about Christmas in the city. So we, we, we really looked at it and we reimagined Glow and that's what we're launching. So as you say, the things you might expect, like the markets are gone, we won't have an installation in Bishop Lucy Park, but there are some new elements and all the elements we brought back. And one of those is, of course, the Ferris wheel. Now, we really took a long, cold, hard look, look at this and um, there has been very you know robust um, health and safety risk assessments done into this and there's really robust safety measures in place as well for the wheel to operate and with all that it considered uh, we have decided yes to bring the Ferris wheel back. So what will change about getting on it? Okay so there's some fundamental things first off there's online booking so you know to avoid queuing in that way we will be there will be contract tracing um, happening um, with people before they, they, they get on. Uh, the social distancing measures will be in in the vicinity of the wheel. That will be managed. Um, you'll be expecting to sanitise at the point of payment, entry and exit. And each bubble, say each bubble that has booked, will be allocated their own wheel car. And those wheel cars are cleaned in between each 
um, each bubble entering and exiting it. Um, The staff that are working on the wheel will be screened daily and they'll be wearing face coverings for the wheel attendants. Mm. Um, As I said, wheel cars are Do passengers have to wear a face covering? Um, Within their family bubble, they wouldn't have to when they're in it, but we would ask people to wear face coverings for queuing. Right. So obviously, if you're in the in the car, in the wheel car with your bubble, and that's your your family bubble or the people that you are kind of in, in contact and with normally, then that's up to yourself. But outside, we would of course be asking people to wear to wear masks in line with the government guidelines that in uncrowded streets, people are now being asked to wear um, Michelle, uh, face covering. I, 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 in one way, I'm delighted to see mm-hmm. that it's going up with all of these um, with all of these. What's the word? I'm desperately searching for here <laughs> provisions I guess and, and, and re- I hate to use the word restrictions but all these mm. health and safety provisions uh, I'm, I'm, on the other hand I'm, I'm sitting here wondering is this a risk too far because people will crowd in around it and we're told avoid crowds well, look, what we are doing is we put lots of things in place as outlined but we are asking the public of course to work with us on this and to enjoy the wheel responsibly. So do book in advance, do come in time, enjoy the wheel and move along. And we would ask people not to congregate. We will be, that will be watched. Um, we're managing that on site. But also, um, you know, the, the, the standard advice to people stands. If you are in a situation and you feel it's too crowded, move along and work on that. The, the, the wheel will be constantly monitored from a safety perspective. And if we feel that it's that the, the, the crowds are gathering and it becomes unsafe, it'll be shut down immediately. So yeah. we really are going to be taking this very, very seriously, as okay. is the wheel operator. And really, it's there for the public to enjoy, to have that feeling of Christmas. But it's, you know, everybody has to work together okay. to be able to enjoy that safely. Well, when does it open? It opens uh, this Wednesday. Okay. So it's currently under construction. Well, let, um, me, let me wish everybody connected to it the very best of luck and have a safe and successful season. Thank you very much, PJ, and the same to you. Cheers. Cheers. That's Michelle Carew, Arts Officer with Cork City Council. So the the wheel is back in a socially distanced fashion and a safety sanitised pre-booking fashion. And you know what? If you don't want to go, don't go. I guess. 1850-715-996. Right, Foot Solutions with us this week and delighted to have them. We have a €200 voucher for Foot Solutions giveaway every day this week, giving the gift of comfort this Christmas with a Foot Solutions gift card from Foot Solutions Grand Parade Cork. Now, I, I'm not going to give them to you all again. I've given you two pieces of audio, and I'm about to give you the third. You've heard two sets of footprints in the snow. I'm going to give you a third set of footprints in the snow, and then I want you to text or WhatsApp your answer to 083 396 96 How many footsteps in the snow have I played in total today? Here's your third and final one. There you go. Will I give it to you again? I will because I'm being nice. Here we go. One more time. You've had three sets of audio. Give me the total. Oh, it's three, three ninety-six, ninety-six, ninety-six. Let me talk to Timmy. Let me talk to Timmy O'Reardon. Timmy, good morning to you. 
Good morning, TJ. It's great to hear the Christmas songs. I'm it's actually wearing my Christmas jumper at the moment. Good for you, sir. Very festive. Good for yeah. you. You're organising a skydive to raise funds for Alzheimer's. Why? A charity skydive to raise funds for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. Um, PJ, my story is, is that my nana, Margaret O'Riordan, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's three years ago. And... Um, it's, it's a really tough disease, as I think a lot of people know. There's 55,000 people living with Alzheimer's in Ireland. There's an additional 4,000 diagnoses every year. Um, it affects a lot of people. And it affects their families as well. And um, it's, a, it's a really difficult disease. And um, this year, um, my nana was also... She, she got COVID-19. And... Um, we were very worried about her because obviously she's in she's in the high risk category. Yeah, and um, she lives up in Dublin. We couldn't go up and see her, and I was very worried about her. Yes, and I want. Is she at home, do... Timmy, or is she in a nursing home? She's she's living in a nursing home, PJ. Okay. She has been for the last about a year. Okay. Um, she's very comfortable up there in fairness. She's getting Good. the best care that we can get for her. And what, age, what age is she? Um, she's at the moment. She's. 70, 79. Okay, okay, okay. And it's been really tough on her. Oh, it's been, it's been, it's been very difficult, PJ. And very hard um, for you to watch as well, I suppose. Oh, it's, it's, that's one of the most difficult things about the disease, really, I think, is that just for the people around the person that has Alzheimer's, they really kind of notice, just kind of, they see the effects of, that it has on that person and just, it, it can happen very gradually. Mm. Um, uh, just like, you know, they mightn't always know your name or they might, you know, be repeating repeating stories mm. during a conversation and they might notice it at all and you kind of notice it. It's, it's, it's difficult to see. Yeah. Um, when, when did but, you see her last, Timmy? Um, it's been, it was before, um, it was before the first quarantine lockdown anyway. Okay. Um, it was, it's probably, it could have been almost a year now, really. Right. Um, it's um, yeah. It's been difficult not to be able to go up and see her. Yeah, but I, I suppose you, you'd, I you'd particularly like to do that now. For yeah, example, around yeah. Christmas time, you know. It would be yeah. It would be really nice. Hopefully now, if they're easing the government restrictions, we can get up and see her. Yeah. Um, but we have we have family living up in Dublin and stuff, so she's not she's well looked after up there. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Um, I know, I know your dad, yeah. Tim, very well, and, and he does his best yeah, to get up yeah. and down to her as much as he oh, can. He and, does. He's, yeah. he's really brilliant. Like, when it comes to, he's given so much time to just taking care of her and stuff yeah. and making sure that she's in the best care, and he's, yeah. he's brilliant, really. He's really about 55,000 55, people in Ireland have, have dementia. and 55,000, yeah. 55. Now, when is the skydive coming, and how can we help? The skydive, obviously, at the moment, it's it's taking place up in Offaly and there's no travel between the counties at the moment so for an exact date for the skydive I haven't been able to get an exact date for the right. skydive but we're, I'm working with the Irish Parachute Club up in Offaly so basically whenever the government eases the restrictions um, for travel between the counties we're going to try and get up and yeah. do the skydive have, have you ever done it, this before? I mean you're in what? you're in transition oh, years so, yeah yeah, never done, never done anything like this before, PJ. Never done a skydive. How did you get the idea to do a skydive? It was basically I knew that I wanted. I did a bit of when I found out that my nana had gotten COVID. I wanted to do something mm. to help her out, 
And obviously there was nothing I could do directly because I couldn't get up there. So what I wanted to do was do a bit of, you know, find something like um, an Alzheimer's charity that I could raise a bit of money for. Yes. And I did a bit of research and I found the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland and they're a fabulous charity, really. Like, mm. um, they want to, um, you know, provide supportive services for people living with dementia yeah. and uh, ensure that um, they are valued within their communities and that they have all their um, rights. And I think that that's, it's hugely important, like, yeah. um, that they are, that people with dementia have that support. Yeah. And um, I, I found that charity anyway, and I said, I want to fundraise for them. And I said, I want to do something kind of a bit crazy that would be, you know, it would catch your eye and go, oh, my God, he's doing a, a charity. So I'm going to jump out of a plane. I'm going to jump out of a plane. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's a bit of a, a headline. Like, it's a big kind of, oh, my God, he's going to jump out of a plane. And, and do you and have I to, said, is there training you do or do you just go up and they'll oh, train you there and then? I'll go up and they'll train me. I think it's only about 20, 30 minutes of training and I'll be up then in the plane. Um, how high? Yeah. Up, how high up do you go? It's it's a ten thousand feet um, jump. Yeah, it's it's some it's some going. It's uh it's quite a height. <laughs> and um, yeah, sure. Look, I'll I'll go up on the plane, and please God, I'll I'll get out of the plane because <laughs> you don't know until you're up there, I suppose, do you? But yeah, yeah. Well, well, you set up a target on your GoFundMe of a thousand euro. Of a thousand euros. You, yeah. you need to review that, my young man, because you're yeah. now on seven thousand six hundred and forty-nine. I know. Yeah, it's it's absolutely. Wouldn't it be fantastic if we get you to ten? If we could get to ten thousand, I'd actually, I'd say I'd pass out, PJ. I I wouldn't believe it. Like it's just, it's amazing. We started off with this target of a thousand euro, and within twenty-four hours, we had reached that target. Right. And we were heading up to the two grand mark. And then, you know, give it another week and we were heading up to about kind of 3,000. Well, well, let's remind people now that you're Timmy O'Reardon, seven, is it 17 or 18 you are? Transition, 16, 16, 16 years old. 16-year-old yeah. transition year student from Cork, yeah. about to jump out of a plane as soon as he gets yeah. an opportunity to raise money for Alzheimer's and particularly for support of people like his nana. The GoFundMe yeah. is there. George will do. We'll share it on our social media and people can help you. PJ, thank you so, so no, much. No problem. I, I think I, you've, you've done so well already. And if we could get you to 10 before you actually get to take the jump, wouldn't it be brilliant? I hugely appreciate it. It's so, like, these, this money is going towards such a fantastic cause. It is. All um, right. And it's really going to help people. Timmy, so, look after, you, you so look much, after yourself, all right? My best, my best to your dad and the rest of the family. Thanks a lot. That's Timmy O'Ridden, 1850 I believe. Yeah, Own English has just tweeted, the President and the Taoiseach have both sent message of congratulations to mark the 150th anniversary of St. Finbar's. Very quickly to line three and Elaine. Hello. Hello. How many footsteps did we play? 14. Yeah, we did. We, we, we better prove it. Hang on a second. Here's the first one. Here we go. There's four. And then we played this one. Four and three is seven, and here we played the last one then. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Yes, you are our winner today. Fourteen. Brilliant. You have Thank our you so 200 much. euro voucher from Foot Solutions heading off down to Rushbrook Links in Cove. Congratulations, Elaine. Thank you, PJ. Take Thanks care. so much. Cheers. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.